Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. We've been on a journey talking about the characteristics of history makers. And we know you're next in line, so we've extrapolated and spent some time studying the Word of God, pulling out characteristics that uh, these great men and women of the Bible that we admire, they had in common. The next thing, um, and this is number four, is spiritual acuity. And, you know, it's all about tapping into a divine frequency. When we talk about spiritual acuity, we are referring to like visions and dreams, prophetic insight, wisdom, revelation. It's about how you see what you see and how you hear what you hear. Again, when we talk about spiritual acuity, how you see what you see and how you hear what you hear, and then the interpretation that you give that. We don't all hear the same way. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15 to 17, that's the scripture that we want you to turn to you so that we can really build this out. Matthew 13, 15 to 17, for this people's heart is wax growth and their gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have, have they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, which you, which you hear and have not heard them, spiritual acuity. And so we, we, we know that this level of hearing and seeing, it all starts with faith. And if you haven't heard the message on faith, you can go back because that's one of the first things that we talked about what faith does. So let's talk about seeing, and we're going to throw this out. So there are about five different vantage points, and I use the word vantage point that you could see from. 
And it's not just singing like we know it, but there is different vantage point. Number one, looking back. So when you look back um, in this season, if God is going to be using you, you don't look back with regrets, especially if you are not over 50. If you're not over 50, you should not be looking back for anything other than the life lessons. Um, but if you look back over 50, you're looking back for wisdom, but under 50, you still have your life to live. And so borrow the wisdom from people that are over 50. So you should not be in these huge collaborations with people that are your age. Both of you are 25, both of you are 30, both of you are 45, and you're collaborating, looking for wisdom. That's the wrong thing to do. You need to find a mentor or someone that will be able to cover you that is over 50 because then they have the permission or they're in a stage in their life now, they can start connecting the dots. But you can look back and you look back for understanding, to connect the dots, for instructions. And um, the Bible even talks about looking back, the church is to look back. When you take communion, you're looking back and you're looking at what Jesus did for you. And then you connect the dots with where you are right now. So looking back is dot connection. And if you are looking back, you're looking back to extrapolate your life lesson if you're under 50. But if you're over 50, you're looking back to extrapolate the wisdom. Number one, looking, this is only vantage points when you look back. The second way of looking is looking at for strategy. So you can look back. You can also look at, and this is where you look at a situation so that you can get a strategy. This is David. David is looking at Goliath and God gives him a strategy. This is Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes in and looks at the wall and God gives him a strategy. And then you can look around and talking about Nehemiah, Nehemiah asset, uh, assessed uh, the circumstances, the broken wall, and then God was able to speak to him, give him a strategy, and he looked around. He it went on a surveillance, a prophetic and apostolic surveillance to surveillance to look at what he was doing. So you look at for strategy, you look around for assignment. And so if you're looking around, God, where am I assigned? And you're looking around, and this is Nehemiah. And then you look beyond this is what God said to Habakkuk. And you look beyond for destiny. We know that destiny is forged through vision. So vision is just a step. But when God gives you a vantage point where you're able to look beyond, again, Habakkuk, write the vision. Look beyond your complaints. Look beyond your current sets of circumstances. Let me show you and give you something to hope for. And then look up. And so if looking back, you look back for understanding, look back for wisdom and instruction, and also to extrapolate um, life lessons, you know, and this is going to be important for each one of us, because if you don't learn your lesson, you're going to have to repeat the test. And I know that there were some tests that you don't want repeated. And again, uh, looking back and then looking at, and then looking around, and then looking beyond. And then the last one, number four, this is vantage points, looking up 
for divine perspective. John the Revelator was taken up. And in this season, as we talk about spiritual acuity, um, in this season, God is delivering all of us from possibility blindness. And we're having that Elijah experience with his armor bearer from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 11 to 20, because it's easy to get caught up, even if you're looking around to be discouraged. But a lot of things have nothing to do with you. You know, you're going to be able to overcome all of what's going on. So, you know, I, I tell everybody, look, in this season, what you need to do is to get to, to, to go on a dopamine fast once a week. Um, to get off of social media, to get off of media, to, to, to just shut uh, the television down, the radio down, and just listen to God, press into God, take a dopamine fast or do that once a week. And I encourage um, my, my great niece is in university. And um, so I took her and her friend out to dinner and I challenged them. I said, look, Decide on a dopamine fast. And if you do this dopamine fast and read, read a book once a week at the end of a semester, I'll give you some money. And, um, and I'm going to trust them that what they tell me is true. And I said, look, you're women of influence. They're both about 18 years old. And I'm going to take your word. Now, if you would lie to yourself, you'll lie to the whole world. And this is all about integrity and character building. But they both agreed that they're going to go on this dopamine fast and they're going to go off of technology for one day. So they were trying to figure out how they were going to, going to do it. Oh, you take my phone. I'll take your phone. I said, that's not a good strategy because you could still call one another. So do something with your phone. And I'm encouraging you, those of you that are next, I want you to go on a dopamine fast. What do you mean dopamine? Well, every time you swipe your telephone or, you know, you sit down and you watch movies and you follow someone on social media, you're getting this dopamine hit. And this is why people sleep with their telephones. They pick up their telephone. The telephone is not even, even ringing. They want to know who's following them. They want to know how many friends they got, how many unfriended them and all of this. They're dopamine hits. You're being controlled by algorithms, advertisement, and the uh, AI. That's what's controlling you. You don't even have your own thoughts. Someone else is controlling your thoughts. So get your mind back, your ability back, your personal power back. Take that dopamine hit. Paul prayed this prayer concerning spiritual acuity. Ephesians, um, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19, he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So he wants you to, God wants you to have an eye-opening experience, give you spiritual acuity. And so when we talk about vantage points, there are five different vantage points, but several ways of seeing. So um, there are seven different ways that you can see. Number one, your natural sight. And if you have eyes and the brain is working and everything is working, you have natural sight. Number two, there's another way of seeing things. This is understanding 
and insight. Uh, again, the prayer that was prayed by uh, Paul to the Ephesus, that God will give you understanding so that you could see. As he taught, they could see, they could understand. The third way of seeing is perspective, and, and we're limited by our vantage point. And so, you know, I only have one dimension that I see from, and everybody around me has the dimension that they see from. And if, can you imagine if we learn the art of listening and hearing and understanding someone's vantage point, how much power we can garner um, because we will have many, many different perspectives to consider. And then there's innovative ideas. You see innovative ideas. You see how something can work. There's vision, which is another way of seeing. There's dreams, which is another way of seeing. And then there's prophetic revelation that is given to you by uh, or through the word of God. So prophetic revelation, we have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic utterance, visions, dreams. And then we have layers of insight into the word of God. And this is the power of revelation and, and, and interpretation. So a rabbi once said that, um, every scripture has at least four different dimensions of revelation and you want to dig deep. You want to sit with a uh, scripture. You don't want to gloss over it. You want to take your time. You want to pray through it. And then, you know, they have um, at least uh, four different dimensions. Each one of those dimensions has hundreds of layers and each of those layers there's another uh, dimension of meaning. And if you look at all of the hidden jewels and the hidden pearls of wisdom that we can extrapolate. So if you look at um, 600, there's 600 layers and four dimensions of revelation, 600 layers each. That's 2.4 million. And then you have perspectives. So there is four plus 600 and then there's another 70 perspectives is 70 sides. So if you look at 2.4 million times um, uh, 70, my gosh, I mean, look at look at what you end up with and look at what you miss because you're only glossing over a revelation. And so when revelation comes, you could sit, and this is why it's possible for one preacher just really to preach from one text and never exhausted in his lifetime. And so we know that when you're studying the Torah, the Torah has, has over 140 million levels of understanding. Um, and that's just one aspect of it because the letters are, can be uh, used for numbers and numbers for letters. And it's interesting. We can get, we can start getting deeper and deeper and deeper, but the eyes of your understanding don't just stay at the surface of anything. Don't stay at the surface of solving a problem. A lot of us are just one dimensional and we are not engaging in elevated conversations and problem solving. And this is not just a spiritual thing. This is, plays out. It plays out with government. It plays out in any industry, in medical, social, cultural. I mean, you know, to be able to deal with one problem, uh, it, it's going to take uh, us peeling back layer after layer after layer and looking at it, 70 different uh, types of um, perspectives that you can have and just turning, turning the dimension and um, unveiling and, uh, and being open. I mean, you know, being open simply meaning that 
I only have one vantage point. I only have one interpretation. And out of all the millions of interpretation, how could I be an, an authority on anything? And I'm just humbled to have the opportunity to be used. But can you imagine if we learn the art of tapping into the mind of God and we can get his insight into things and he opens up our understanding and opens up our mind, how powerful we really can be in solving the problems of the world. Now, the second part of spiritual acuity is not just what you see, is what you hear. The ability to pick up spiritual frequency. The scripture says, my sheep know my voice. And this is the anointing and mantle of Samuel. Samuel was picking up this frequency. His mentor and his, his prophetic coach wasn't picking up the same frequency, but he was hearing something fresh, something new because he was next basically. And so, but he needed his spiritual mentor, Eli, even though Eli wasn't picking up that frequency, he still had to respect you know, the fact that this was his covering and they worked in tandem. Um, Samuel was able to lean on the wisdom that Eli was, was able to offer him. And Eli was able to lean on this new frequency that Samuel was hearing. And so, you, you know, one of the things Jesus said, I don't do anything except I see my father do it. And I don't say anything except I first hear my father, God is always speaking. The issue is, do we always press our ears to the lips of God? And are we hearing God? And so, you know, when it comes to spiritual acuity, these great um, men and women of faith, these great history makers, not only biblical, but contemporary and historical, these amazing figures, um, from Catherine Kuhlman to all of the others that, that push humanity forward, uh, to Martin Luther, um, to Martin Luther King. These are great iconic figures and they were hearing and picking up frequencies that the average person was not picking, um, up. I want to, I want to treat, um, go and, and, and do another treatment and, and talk to you, uh, about number five. Number five is prayer. I think of Gandhi and Gandhi was Gandhi was not a Christian, but he was a man of prayer. And look what he did to, with with India. It, it, prayer is um, having a conversation with God. And we're on number five. Prayer is one of the strongest powers available to humanity. As the Gordon said, the greatest thing that anyone can do for God and man is to pray. Prayer is the winning blow, he says. Prayer is dynamic. Prayer is a kingdom technology, is a spiritual weapon of mass destruction against evil. In the natural, technology is the actual application of scientific methodologies, especially to systemic, industrial, or commercial objectives. So prayer is the application of heaven's methodologies that systematically brings to pass God's plan for man. Prayer is a spiritual force. Prayer is a spiritual force. And let me say it this way. Prayer is a spiritual force that exerts, exercises, continuous and decisive influence on both the natural and spiritual world affecting change within their systems and inhabitants. So let's, let's unpack this. Prayer is a continuous means. It means that it's uninterrupted. 
It's unceasing. So just because you stop praying, it doesn't mean that the effects of prayer is stopping. It means that as soon as you start praying, then the effects of it continues. It's incessant. It, it's ceaseless. It's sustained. It's working. It's nonstop. It goes on without a break. This is what prayer does. So while you're sleeping, prayer is working for you until something happens. So it's a decisive force as well. It means that it is um, unwavering, unyielding. It's like um, a heat-sensitive missile. That's what I would call it. It's decisive. And it, um, it, wherever that person goes, prayer goes with them. And I love prayer that, you know, when you think about prayer being a heat-sensitive missile, it means that nobody can dodge the effects of prayer. And then uh, it, it's a force. Force, the word force means that it's impactful, it's powerful in strength and authority. And so when I think about prayer as a kingdom technology, out of all the technologies, I'm the techno girl, I love technology. Prayer is unrivaled in its effectiveness. It's unrivaled and it's unqu and, and unquestionable when it comes to results. You, can, you can't question the results of prayer. The Bible said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Everybody else is praying. We need to pray more. We have to pray in order to establish our breakthroughs into new realms. And we talked about the anointing being a barrier-breaking force. But prayer is a barrier-breaking force as well. It's a part of our kingdom warfare strategy. And so when we, we, we deal with prayer... Um, you know, you have to learn how to pray to engage in spiritual warfare as well. And spiritual warfare is, is not just about rebuking demons and devils. It's about being able to recognize where your ideas are coming from, the source of your ideas, the source of your emotions, and will help you to fight against that. It's like uh, Paul saying, to Timothy, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power of love and soundness of mind. So what is the source of your fear? It's not coming just as a result of you looking around at circumstances and saying, oh, I'm afraid or I'm intimidated. That spirit of fear has a source and the source is not coming from God. And I'm decreeing and declaring those of you that are struggling with the spirit of intimidation and struggling with the spirit of fear. I decree the anointing is breaking that you're great now, that you're rising up with boldness. You're pursuing your dreams, your vision, your goal. You're, you're manifesting what God has called you to do. You're fulfilling your assignment. It doesn't matter who believes, who is um, standing with you. I decree that this is a season of fearlessness, that you're going to be unapologetic. You're going to be about your father's business and you're not going to explain why you're doing what you're doing. And so when we talk about prayer, I could talk all day. I've written many, many books. I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of When Kingdoms Clash, The Rules of Engagement for Overcoming Your Past, The Rules of Engagement, Commanding Your Morning. I want to encourage you to pick up um, Hello Tomorrow, Goodbye Yesterday. Pick up all the rules of engagement for spiritual warfare. Um, uh, pick up all those books, The Art of War. Pick up the books and read it because this is going to be 
the secret to your success in the days to come. We know that prayer, prayer is a spiritual discipline. And so I want to encourage you, you've got to pray, pray more. When, when learning how to pray, it's like practicing for the Olympics. You've got to pray and understand that prayer is hard work. It's a chore. And, you know, everyone should do it. And then those of you that used to pray and pray consistently, you don't pray anymore. It's like you exercising in the gym, working out for uh, 10 years straight. And then you, uh, two years, you take off two years. When you go back into the gym, you're going to have to get fit again because you, you, you're, you're talking about your muscles becoming stronger and, and, and your muscles now, um, um, uh, uh, responding and, and like you wanted to respond and prayer, uh, is an exercise of your spiritual muscles. And so if you're out of shape physically, you're going to go through that phase of real pain and struggle to get back into shape before you enjoy the benefits of, of, uh, and make it a way of life. And everybody knows that's possible. If you're overweight and you are struggling through a very difficult time of changing eating habits, um, disciplining your appetite, losing the weight before you enjoy a transformed, chiseled, strong, healthy, uh, disease-free body, you know how hard it is. It's very, very hard. I'm on my third week, um, going into my fourth week of um, a very, very strict consecration, extremely, extremely strict. And I'm telling you, um, this has been probably one of my roughest time. And I remember, you know, walking and I'm a woman that has energy on demand. And this day we were just walking along the beach I couldn't wait to get back home because my energy level had dropped so low. But now, you know, my energy is coming back. And I remember that Saturday, I just said, I ordered pizza, but I didn't hit the sand. You know, I was watching at the cooking channel because I allowed my eyes to see in order for my stomach to feel as if it was satisfying. And it worked. It actually worked. And just, you know, you will have that period where you, you're going to want to give up and you run out of steam. That's when you push and that's when you will get your second win. It's like a runner who gets their second win. And then once you get your second win, you can run and run all night. And, um, you know, all of that is possible. And so you want to be able to pray and you want to learn how to pray. So if your prayer life is out of shape, if it's weak, if it's flat, flabby, you are going to get some sore prayer muscles to start off with on the road to your bounce back and getting back. If your prayer life is fat and lazy, there's going to be some pain, some discomfort and discipline that you need to get back in shape, to get your prayer life back into shape, to build those prayer muscles. You know, it's very, very important for us to pray. We, we want powerful prayers because powerful prayers are what is going to shift things for you, whatever God has called you to do. But the average person wants powerful prayer for three no-hassle credit card payments on high-interest spiritual plastic. That's what we want. But you, you, you don't fall for the hype. You've got to pray and you've got to apply because that's your kingdom technology. It's a weapon of mass destruction. And I want to encourage you um, to really begin to understand that you've got to pray. Prayer, prayer um, 
is attached to a desire or a specific outcome. It's, it's conversing with God. It's having a conversation with God. And, and it, prayer puts you on the right spiritual and apostolic grid. And that's what you want. You want to be on the right grid, the right place, the right zip code. And, you know, when you talk to God, God is going to share some wonderful things that he has in store for you. Prayer is just like getting out of earth's chat room and into heaven's throne room. That's what prayer is. Prayer is your declaration of faith, your declaration of faith in God, declaration of faith in his ability. And one of the things I've learned about prayer, just from my personal experience, prayer is divine negotiation. And the story, I love the story of Abraham. Abraham negotiated. If you could find 50, if you could find 40, if you could find 30, if you can find 10, he began to negotiate with God and God settled, okay, if I could find 10, I won't dis destroy this city. And it's interesting. He couldn't even find 10 righteous and the city was destroyed. And so it is with your prayer. This is negotiating with God on behalf of on behalf of your family, on behalf of business partnership, just negotiate with heaven. Prayer is like mental and spiritual flossing. You know, you, you, you're just flossing your spirit. You know how you brush your teeth and your teeth are clean and then you go back and you floss all in between. But that's what prayer does. Where, where David said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee alone have I sinned and that is even in thy sight. That thou mayest be justified and thou speaketh and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part shall thou make known um, to me your wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy of gladness uh, that, um, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. I just, I just love that prayer because it reminds me of flossing. He's just going right in and he's praying to God, but it's like uh, flossing. Prayer is spiritual flossing. Prayer is also tapping into um, spiritual realms and dimension where the veil actually divides heaven and earth, um, the natural from the spiritual. So you pierce through that, that veil and you're able to see things from heaven's perspective, you know, and you've got to keep praying. And I love this. Prayer is the crowning um, of your life with dominion and authority. I love that. I mean, you know, when you pray and we're talking about crowning your life with dominion and authority, prayer does all of that. And like I said earlier, prayer is important. And then why do you pray? You pray because you want intimacy. And so this is the sixth point that I want to make that when you see these great men and women of God, they had levels of intimacy. And this is number six. Who do you spend your time with? Um, it's, it's about honoring relationship and honoring your relationship capital and exploiting your social capital. And that's a relationship strategy. Um, but that's not the only strategy that you use this level of intimacy with. Who do you let into your intimate spheres? Who you let into your inner circle? Now, you know, there are dimensions that for me, I, I, I guard my spiritual life. So it's only me and God. And I'm telling you straight up, I allow nobody. I have inner circles out here socially. 
and I have an inner circle out here. Um, but in terms of my personal uh, spiritual life, I mean, I guard that, uh, you know, with, with my whole life. I don't take people on journeys. I mean, there's a lot of journeys that I go on. I'm going to be going on a new journey. And this will be the first time I'm going to invite a whole bunch of people to go on this journey with me. But every year I go on a consecration. It's something that I hear God say to me. I hear God speak to me. And he says, Cindy, this is your level of consecration for this year. And I don't turn it into a religious activity where I'm preaching and telling everybody, oh, this is the year you're going to go on this consecration and that. This is personal. This is intimate. This is my level of consecration. This is my level of stewarding, stewarding who I am, what I got, my gifts and my talent. This is my level. And I do it with consecration. Uh, one year, I didn't watch any TV, any movies, any news, anything like that. I only jumped on social media. The only reason I was there because I was posting otherwise than that. I didn't watch anything. That was one level of consecration. This level of consecration has to do with physical discipline, looking at my body, looking at my mind, making sure I have mental health. And I did a, a whole lot of consecration, lost a whole lot of weight. Hallelujah. And um, that, that, that was that level of consecration. Now, this, this next year, I have a new level of consecration, which I am excited about. And um, I'm going to see the most amazing things happen, happening uh, this, this, this ensuing year. But it's all about intimacy. Intimacy, not just who you spend time with out here, but intimacy with God. The Bible said in Daniel eleven thirty two, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That word uh, know has to do with intimacy. It doesn't mean it's a pleasure to meet you kind of know. It means engaging in that level of inf- intimacy where you produce. And if I can use this um, term, it's like um, a husband and wife that gets together. And, you know, you can keep going to bed with God and not come up pregnant. And that's the, that's the idea that, that's there, that level of intimacy where you're pregnant with God's ideas, God's thoughts, God's way, God's strategy, what he wants to do through you, what he wants to do with people around you. I feel the anointing of God. Um, and I'm coming into a year where I'm going to be mentoring a whole bunch of people on a spiritual journey. And it's going to be one of the most amazing spiritual journey because I've seen it. And so that level of intimacy, what is your level on a scale of one to 10? What is your level of intimacy with God? And so how do you become intimate? Firstly, I'm going to tell you, intimacy is about character building. Um, it's, it, 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 it's about values clarification. So intimacy is you being naked before God. And God literally changing the DNA of your, your spirit. He's, he's altering the DNA. Everybody knows that, um, you know, I'm a proponent of um, women, Christian women remaining or, or Christians remaining celibate. I'm a strong proponent of that. Why? Because the moment you engage in intimacy, especially where a woman is concerned, literally, when you engage in that intimacy, you, you, you actually uh, p- begin to print um, that woman at the level of her DNA. So it literally changes the DNA structure. Um, and so when it comes to God, we have the ability to be changed right down to the level of our DNA. And I love that. 
And it's about character. It's about values, clarification, God, giving God an opportunity to help you to navigate, navigate the terrain of your being to deal with um, proclivities and those things and to deal with genetic matter that may have been passed down from previous generation. And you can be changed at the level of your DNA. And proclivities can be um, suppressed. And I mean, this is going to be important because this is um, from out of Isaiah. The Bible says that God sent a word to Israel, but it lit upon, or God sent a word to Jacob, excuse me, but it lit upon Israel. So Israel was laying dormant as, as, as a potential um, in Jacob, suppressed by genetic matter and material that was passed down from one generation to another. God sends a word. This is a level of intimacy. Sends a word and it changes um, Jacob's life. And once you read about this, he's no longer manipulating his way because that was a learned behavior. Now he's truly moving into his potential. And he's this amazing innovator. He's, um, um, I would call him a geneticist. I would call him um, someone who was engaged in biotech. Um, and you know, you could read the story of, of, of how his uncle said, you know, if you have these sheep and they come out a certain way, you can have them and the rest are mine. But he did just de defied this ge genetic, um, uh, statistic and the statistic said, you know, one will come out this way and the others will come out pure. And one will be spotted and spotted and speckled, and the rest will be brown and white or whatever the, the pure color was. And he comes out with all these speckled and spotted, and he had to do it because God downloaded. And I'm only trying to modernize um, a, a biblical story. So those of you that are in technology, those of you that are in medicine, I, I really want you to begin to pray and ask God, give me insight, show me how I can move in, in, in this dimension and this time, show me the technology. And you do it by studying the word of God and meditating on the word of God. Those of you that are entrepreneurs, those of you that are educators, don't take for granted how powerful the word of God is. Psalm 119, nine to 18, watch this. When we talk about values clarification, there's a difference between belief and behavior. And there's a difference between the person and the principle. And so you, we have people that are of Christian faith and they're Christians and they're born again, but their behavior is misaligned with what you see in the Bible. And that, that has to do with, okay, you're reading a Bible, but do you believe the Bible? Because whatever you believe, it'll affect your behavior. And so studying, this is going to be important so that you can have faith, faith in the instructions of God, faith in the word of God, faith in the relevance of God. God can change your life, change anything. And so this level of intimacy, 
You get this level of intimacy by number one, studying the word of God. The Bible says again, Psalm 119 verse nine to 18, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereunto according to the word of God. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of, of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on thy precepts. I have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statue. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. This is the level of intimacy. How do you maintain an intimate relationship with God? You maintain that intimate relationship with God by studying the word of God. And you've got to study the word of God. You secondly, you've got to develop a healthy prayer life. Don't just pray when you need something. Make prayer an ongoing conversation. Be prayerful. Every while you're driving, while you're cooking, be prayerful. We we've already talked about spiritual acuity. Prayer is a, a two-way conversation. It's not just about you talking to God, it's about God talking to you. Then I want you to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, become more sensitive to the Spirit, engage in personal worship. And so, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I engage in worship. When I wake up in the morning and I'm dressing for the day, my music is playing, you know, the average woman takes an hour. Can you imagine using that hour or using that 45 minutes or using that 30 minutes and you dedicate that time for worship? Turn your phone off. It's going to be there after you come out of worship. So worship is about giving God his work, giving God the first part of your day. Engage in personal worship, consecrate your home and dedicate it to the Lord. I know when I first moved in my house, I took the rules of engagement prayer and I played it there for 30 straight days. I checked, I took that out and then I played commending your morning. I played that for 30 days and then I shipped it back out and I prayed it. My home is saturated with prayer. When you walk in my, my house, you can feel it. It's settled. It's powerful. It's in the walls. It's within the gate. It's peace in my walls, peace in my gate because of the consecrated my home. And then watch your relationship. Watch who is speaking into your life, what they're talking about. Watch your relationships. And I want you to guard your five physical senses and then make God your priority. Mark 6, 31, come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. Find that quiet place. Make a commitment to have quiet time every single day. I call it me moments. Prioritize your quiet time. Make sure that you spend some time. My quiet time is first thing in the morning. That whole hour dedicated to worship, dedicated to listening to the word of God, dedicated to, you know, hearing God and praying. And then choose a place and schedule a time daily to have that quiet time. And remember, read God's word. And the other two things, three things that I want you to do, use a journal, record your thoughts. I write on everything. I've got so many uh, pages of revelation and then pray those revelations through and then make that 
moment count. It really does. It counts in the long run. You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.